0: Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Non League Review here on Switch Sport. I'm Josh Samuels. Alongside me in his regular co-presenter capacity is Ross Thorpe, and we'll be taking more of an off-the-pitch approach in this edition of the NLR, as we're delighted to be joined by Matt Dainty, who is the match day secretary for the Russell Olympic of the Bet Victor Southern Premier Central Division. So welcome to you both Ross and Matt, looking forward to this episode. Of course, always. Excellent. Well, I know from past experiences chatting to you, Matt, with Chairman's Corner, that it's certainly set to be a great episode. Uh, So, as I just mentioned, you are the Matchday Secretary, Matt, for Russell Olympic. But, of course, that isn't where you were at the beginning of the 2019-20 season, as December of last year saw the end of your nine-year tenure as Chairman of Padgett Rangers. And I think it's fair to say that everything that that club became and currently is, I suppose, is down to your hard work and pure love for the football club. So for you to walk away, it almost seems akin to, let's say, a parent giving away a child. So what was it (laughs) that motivated your decision to walk away from the club, specifically at that time?
1: Uh, A culmination of lots and lots of things. um, And then usually it's the smallest thing that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, I suppose. But um, it was a desire to... Probably go to an environment where ultimately I was not the one mainly responsible for everything and where I could work in a large team of people who all had very defined and specific roles.
0: So, did it almost become like a Frankenstein, if you like, but not in necessarily a negative way, but you'd created this being and it almost became too big for you to control?
1: I think um, with various changes in personnel and um, churn that you get over a long period of time i think as people left it would be a case of our matt will just pick up that job and eventually you've picked up too many jobs and then it just become too much of a thing to do all by yourself so that's when it's time to try and find other people to get involved and to spread the the load somewhat um and then i think that wasn't necessarily forthcoming from large places that i wanted it to be so it was a case of okay then well i'll make you uh, take on parts of it because i'm going somewhere else
0: i think certainly from my point of view it seems like a good attitude to have but if you kind of take away that sentimental aspect you're left with kind of a i guess quite a cold attitude so it must have been quite hard to leave the club that you'd built up for nine years
1: yeah, it was massively hard. It's probably the hardest decision I've ever had to make, you know. I was gutted that I had to make that decision and would would I go back now and change things so maybe I didn't leave possibly I might might do. Um but I really enjoy what I'm doing at Rushall. Um and I really like all the people there and they've made me very welcome. And um so I don't regret moving to Rushall. I don't regret leaving Paget, but I wish Certain things might have been done differently possibly.
2: It's a good point you've made, Matt, about, you know, where where the club had come from to where it's at. I've spoken to you on many a many a night at Coles Lane over a, a couple of lemonades and we've you've spoken yes. about the fact that, you know, where you've took the club from. You when it was at Padgett, you was a club that never operated with a budget and to get to, you know, a division just outside of the Midland Football League Premier Division with no budget is, you know, it takes a lot to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. At
2: what point would you say you started to get the feel of, this is now becoming a little bit of a, a ball ache in my life? And, and and the reason why I ask that question is because I think when we spoke off air prior to the show, you spoke about you had a, a desire to want to you know reinvent Padgett and take it up and you took him up through the AFA and we'll talk about that as we move into the show. But at what point did you look and go this is enough now. I, I, I This isn't what I want to do in my life anymore.
1: I think, so I'd say over the past 12 months, so going back to April last year, there was a common culmination of things happening, one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And I think, to be fair, it was probably making me ill. I was having sleepless nights all the time. It was affecting work. It was affecting my personal life. And I think I just thought, at the end of the day, is it really worth all this? Because, as you know, it was all my own money that was funding it as well to keep it going. We didn't have many sponsors at all. Um, and you just have to go sometimes the dream, which it was a dream, to start it and to get Paget back and to get them going and to take it as probably to the level where I took it to. You then think, is this dream becoming a bit of a nightmare? And it's really hard to make that decision, but you do have to just go sometimes actually... There's more to life than Padgett Rangers, and that's where I got to.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and, and again, looking from the outside in, you know, you you got to the end of not the season we're in now, but the season before. You know, you'd had a you'd fairly consolidated in your level in the league that you was in, um, and then come along the fact that Jason has decided to to leave the club and move on to Heather St John. At that point, did you start to look and go, we're starting to lose a little bit of, not necessarily control, but almost direction with where we wanted to go in, because I think Lanzi, prior to that, and Lanzi's somebody I I know quite well, you know, he's he's done a a very good job at Heather this year, there's no two ways about that, but I think prior to that, you're looking and going, he wanted to take Padgett as far as he could take them. When he turned around and went I'm now moving on, did you kind of look and go, is this now the right time for us to maybe, for you personally to look and go, Mm. maybe I now need to start looking at something else?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think um, I always knew that there'd be a certain level and limit that I could take it to due to the financial backing that I could give it, which was a normal working man's wage. I don't have any more than that. Um, I think when... Because when Lanzi was there, and he was there for five years, and we had five really, really good seasons, one after the other, we improved our league position every single year I'm um, a bit of a stato, So he used to always ask me how he was doing on his stats. And his win percentage was more than 50%. Um, and I think the shock, it was a shock to me, him wanting to leave. I never actually, probably naively, <laughs> never actually thought that he'd... He'd never shown to me maybe the ambition to want to leave it it was um quite an it was a good job for him because it was local to home it was local to his family there wasn't the necessary it wasn't the pressure that you'd get with the pressure of say having a budget and expectation and I was quite easy to work with I never pushed him to achieve ridiculous targets it was always we were like mates and it was quite easy to do so I think that shock of when he left and then obviously as footballers do and again it's my age I don't think necessarily helps at sometimes, because I'm the age where I'm the same age as all the players you automatically become mates with all the players and then for all the players every single player left and went to Heeler St John's I was left with no management team no backroom staff no players and two weeks before pre-season training and I think that was when I realized maybe all these people that I thought were as obsessed with it as um, I am maybe they're actually not and I think it's that realization you start to question your own sanity the I remember what
0: you raise actually oh. because talking about people that have that affinity for the club I'm interested about your thoughts about the new consortium that's taken over at Padgett led by James Parker. do you feel that they have that same heart for the club and for the community that you've had?
1: I wasn't necessarily involved in the process at all, actually. I, I was introduced to them after they'd already agreed to take over. Um, the, my vice chairman, Tony Bradley, who stepped up as interim chairman after I'd left in December, um, they de- the, the committee decided very quickly after I'd gone that they didn't want to be responsible for running the club themselves without me there. So therefore, if the club was to continue, they had to find someone else to take it on. Um, so they ser- sent, searched for a replacement. So James Parker um, runs Birmingham St George's, which is um, a junior club with quite a few teams. And I think having met him, they're really um, engaged, really ambitious. What they they want to use the club for is a pathway for their kids' teams to ha- uh, have a route into adult football. So they come through all their children's teams. And then when they reach 16, 17, 18, it was the first team for them to play in without losing them to other clubs um, and so I think that's their ambition for it and I think they want to grow the club with obviously all these teams will be under the Paget banner and then they're going to look into the girls and women's side as well and I think it'll put Padgett's on a a better placing because at the moment we're just a first team and an under 19s whereas this will get so many more people involved with the club that it will exponentially grow immediately anyway.
0: And do you think that's the key to the potential success for the the first team, if you've got more people coming through the youth ranks, and obviously the more talent you have, the the higher quality you're likely to get producing into the first team. So is that potentially the end goal, not just to have more teams at the younger levels, but eventually to have more success with the first team?
1: I think so. And I think it's blending that youth with experience as well. I think that's really important. And I think, the other important thing that they'll use this method for is to make the first team self-sufficient. Even without a budget, it wasn't self-sufficient. So the, the club has got to become self-sufficient and this is a way of doing it.
0: And, and of course, the new consortium, rather lovely actually, they appointed you into the role of club president. How did that come about?
1: My understanding is that the committee basically insisted that I was appointed to that role um, and i think there's also an appreciation on the on james's side that they have no previous experience of adult football and all the intricacies and how it works and i think they wanted to be able to lean on someone for advice and someone to steer them you know around all the silly rules and things that you have to be aware of in midland football league and fa competitions so that you don't get fines and things like that
0: Are you going to be, I'm assuming, quite relieved from what you were speaking about with the the stresses and strains of being a football club chairman? It sounds like you're going to be quite more relaxed and perhaps enjoying Padgett Rangers as a club more because you can take all of the the benefits out of it and all of the, the backstage problems aren't, for you at least, are no longer there.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly how I want it to be. So um, I, I want to be able to turn up to matches when I want to turn up to matches, enjoy it. As Ross says, have a lemonade in the um, clubhouse and just enjoy being at football again. It, it, it was by the middle of last season, uh, it was a chore and I was dreading even going to a match. So um, this will be nice to go there with a bit more of a relaxed feel about it.
2: So Matt, from that point of view, you know, You've spoke about the end at Padgett, where you felt you'd had enough, and it was just becoming time-consuming and draining on you, not just physically but emotionally. And um, if we go back to the early days, what what was the inspiration between wanting to get Padgett back up and running? Was it always the um, the motive of do you know what? I, I knew Padgett from a young um, a young and early age, or was it just the fact that you just wanted to get a football club as as high up the ladder as you possibly could.
1: It was more the Paget thing than wanting to get a club as high up the ladder as I could. I've watched Paget obviously, my entire life until they went bust. And I think even though I go and watch other teams and watch professional football, it, I never replaced that the feeling and that connection that our whole family had with that particular club. And I think it was a case of Well, let me try and see if I can bring that back myself Um, because, you know, it's really, really good memories that we all had at that time. And I think that was why that was the drive and the desire behind it. Um, And I probably entered into it quite naively as a 22 year old at the time. But um, I learned very quickly. And uh, I've always said, and I said it when I was still Padgett chairman, that becoming, reforming Padgett and being Padgett chairman is the best decision I ever made. But it's also the worst (laughs)
2: In hindsight, though, is that something that you know we're sitting here tonight and a you know a Thursday night as we're recording the show? They're two big statements that you've made. There was the best statement, but also the worst statement. You know, do you think it's one of them where you might need a little bit more time to look back and realise was it the best thing I ever did or was it the best uh, the worst thing I ever did?
1: Possibly, yeah. That's possibly fair and that's possibly right. I mean, I. I wanted to get Paget back, and I got I got Paget back, and we had some we had really really good times, and I'd say the vast majority of it, I really thoroughly enjoyed all of it, um, but it has stopped me probably I, because I lived it. It stopped me doing things in life that probably now when I'm 32 looking back on it, I probably should have done. You know, I, I haven't bought a house, and the reason I haven't bought a house is because all the money I've had has been spent on Paget, for example, and it's things like that.
0: It's a okay, so you... comparison, actually, because a lot of people talk about local football clubs especially, and all football clubs really, across all echelons of the game, as being a family club. Um, and even uh, the Russian Olympic manager Lee McDonald in a previous episode referred to the club as being a family club. But I guess in many respects, when people say that, it's purely metaphorical. But for you, it really, really was a family affair. Because your mother, Heather, who I have met and is lovely, is on the staff as the ballroom hospitality and if I'm right in saying that your uncle, her brother, John Bird, is also program editor. So what did they yep. make of your decision to leave?
1: To start with, they were very upset with my decision to leave. Um, it, I don't think it went down well. I think initially, um, and for quite a few weeks, they possibly thought that I was throwing something away far too easily, that I'd worked far too hard for Um Eventually, they came round to my way of thinking, and I think part of that was by them still going and still being involved and seeing the workload and amount of stuff that you have to deal with um, falling maybe on their shoulders more because I wasn't there.
0: And are they still in their roles?
1: Uh, Yes, both of them are, yes.
0: And are they... Talk about a noticeable change in the atmosphere or the mood now that there's a, a change in management.
1: Um, I, th- I think that I'm. I think there's um, a, a sense of relief now that it's been passed on to someone else. I think what they before any interpretation of that can be made. Well, we we haven't played football since they took over, so we need to see um, how that goes. I think in 12 months' time, we'll probably hopefully know the answer to those questions. Um but I think there is a sense of relief that the club is going to continue, it can continue, and it's going to continue without me having to financially resource it.
2: So let's go back to the end of last season. Um yep. again I remember being at your end of season awards presentation night in the uh, the lounge at Sutton Coldfield Town. you, your players and Jason Lands and all of that.
1: And the hilarity of item tannoy, yeah. Tannoy, tannoy.
2: Tannoy Tom, what an absolute legend he is, by the way. Um, Two weeks later, if it was even that long, I I look on Twitter and realise that Jason Lanz has has moved on to Heather St. John's. Somebody who's been with you for three, four, five years, I think five years you put it there. Um, Yeah. What was your first thoughts in that when you had that first phone call? And was that first phone call from Lanzi or was it from... Heather St. John going, although he's not on contracts, we want to have a conversation with your manager about leaving you.
1: I think the first phone call was from Lansy saying that someone from Heather was going to phone me. Um, and then Mick Brooks, the chairman of Heather, phoned me and asked for permission to speak to Jason, which I said yes to. Um, the, my immediate reaction when Jason phoned me was probably of complete shock. Um, and I was at work at the time in the middle of a busy day. And I just went, yeah, 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 whatever. And, you know, you don't even digest or think through something. It's just, you know, a panicked response. Um, the whole process to me felt like going through a divorce, to be perfectly honest, where one half of the party doesn't want the divorce, but maybe the other half does. And that's that's probably how I felt through the whole process.
2: So when you, at that point where, yes, you can talk to him and then the, the second phone call would have come from, I suppose you, you were alluding it to a divorce. The solicitor going, right, they now want to serve papers on you. And in yeah. these terms, it was a case of they now want to leave you. What was your thoughts on that? Because you, you and you had been through a lot together over a, a four or five-year period, as you alluded to, was it? In terms of... Not necessarily disappointment that somebody had been with you that long had, had left you because he'd moved up the the football ladder, so to speak, in terms of of levels. But did you feel that your relationship was worth a little bit more than that?
1: Uh, well, not necessarily. No, I mean I still get on really, really well with Jason, and I speak to him all the time, and we get on really, really well. I think. Um, i was probably just in shock through the whole process because whether i was blind and naive i don't know i just never saw it happening i you'll know them i thought that what we had was similar to what sol and jason have at chelmsley town where yeah there's no budget and you're probably always punching above your weight but they've been working together for 20 odd years and that's how you know i I got convinced myself that that's where we were, really. Um, but once they said they wanted to go, then you have to very quickly move on and get on with it. So um, that's what I tried to do and what we did. And and they've done a fantastic job at Heath. And I knew they would do a fantastic job there. Yeah, I always wanted to be able one day to get into a position to give them the ability to use a playing budget because Lanz's uh, Black Book of uh, Non-League Playing Contacts He's really, really good because he used to tell me all the names that were in it. Um, so I knew that they could assemble a really good team at that level. Unfortunately, I was never able to provide the funding for them to be able to do that.
2: Which I, I, which I get that. But from that point of view, so, OK, Lanzi's told you, Matt, we're calling it that day, we're moving on to something different. At that point, did you look and go, I've got a decision to make now as a chairman in terms of, I have a couple of weeks to have a break or did you already have somebody in mind that you thought that's the next person to to become potentially the next Jason Land, so to speak?
1: So so I'll go from the start of it. Because of how late it happened in the summer, with only two weeks before the start of the season, um, I had no choice but to carry on. My immediate reaction actually at the time was to say, I jack it in, I'll close the club down, was my immediate reaction um, because... I didn't know or see how I could carry it on, anyway, because I didn't. I, I wasn't planning for it. So, do I have a list of names in mind? No, uh, I did not at all. Um, so it became a very um, hectic couple of weeks to get someone in, and we advertised the role and we had loads of applicants, um, and then we interviewed. Three or four of those applicants, and then made an appoint made the appointment, and we made the best appointment at the time uh, of the people who applied. hundred percent, I believe that, and I'd still say that now, that uh, Matt Seeley, who we gave the job to, was the right person to give the job to at the time um, of those who'd applied. And but it was it was a very rushed process. Um, I would have, if if the decision to leave had been done at the end of the season after we'd played our last game at Burbage. I would have had so much more time to go through a proper process. And rather than probably relying on people sending me a CV saying they wanted the job, I might have gone out and sought people myself who maybe were in jobs at other clubs.
2: Okay, and Matt Serley at that point was an ex-player. He played for you a couple of years, years prior. Was cutting yeah. his teeth at Alcester Town. Um, somebody that, you know, with the greatest respect... Loved the club, but he'd gone and cut his teeth elsewhere. I remember speaking to you on the Saturday and you going, going, oh, I'm not sure what direction we're going. And then on the Monday morning, seeing the pictures at Coles Lane with Matt having the scarf above his head. So it kind of struck in the sense of there was a deal already done there in that sense. Um, at that point, what was the expectations of Matt and the, the team that he was bringing in? Because obviously Jason moved on. You knew he was going to take quite a lot of the players. From your point of view as a a club chairman, was it just a case of this year we're going to have our team stripped apart but we've just got to stay in the league? Or was it we want to try and kick on?
1: It was definitely a case of let's just make sure we don't get relegated. Let's not undo any of the hard work we've had to put in to get to that level by dropping down a level, especially with the restructuring that was coming in at the end of the season where step seven was in effect, being relegated off the non-league system. Um, I couldn't afford for the club to get relegated. So Matt's only brief was keep the club in the division. That's all That's all we care about. And because I knew him and because he knew me and he understood the club, he knew what restraints he'd be under in terms of finances. And because of him being a former player, um, there was always that chance that, Some of the players that maybe followed Jason to Heather would turn around and go, Actually, I'll go back to Padgett because I haven't made it at Heather because he can bring in better players. Um, I'll go back there because I know the manager anyway because I played with him.
0: Okay, well, let's rewind back to last summer. You were chatting just briefly before about how you were really quite stressed, let's say this time last year, around last April. So going in then to the summer and going into the pre-season of the 2019 season, Padgett just come off a pretty good season, finishing 10th in the league. No doubt, I'm assuming there was some optimism for a similar or even better finish to the new season. So what role were you playing as chairman at that time in the preparations for the new season?
1: So for the new season, so Jason and I had sat down and we'd sorted all the pre-season training and all the friendlies out. Um, so that was all sorted. I'd sorted all the kits and uh, you know all that boring stuff was all, all sorted out. And then my next focus was going to be mainly on getting the sponsors in to fund the season. Um, ended up not being able to do that because I was having to do other things, which was recruit a manager. Um, so that put a strain on there. But that was during the season. That, we, Jason and I got it so sorted we'd done five seasons together it was it's really straightforward we'd we had a whatsapp chat with each other all the time or five hour long phone conversations which his missus used to laugh about um and we everything would be sorted and all planned down and i think we thought that with four getting promoted from division one uh, as was the plan for the 1920 season that even without a budget you could push in and around that area and you know we always said finish at least one place higher than the year before and that was going to be what we were trying to do but you know with a really good run who knows we could have uh, pushed even higher when you've got a settled team you tend to do better um so yeah everything would all been planned ready for the next season it, it did mean then when matt came in that he had to inherit maybe some friendlies that he might not have picked
0: it doesn't sound like you were showing any signs of leaving at that point. So were at that moment in time you very much still, as far as you were at around this time, you were still envisaging being at the club in that same
1: yeah, I, to be To be perfectly honest, and I'm not speaking for Jason, but I, I don't think he had any intention of leaving at that time. I, I think the move came as much of a shock to him as it did to me. I, I don't think he was expecting um, an offer to be put to him that was too attractive to turn down.
0: Moving on then to the beginning of the season, into August. Uh, Quite a mixed start to the season, really. Uh, Quite a lot of extreme results. 5-1 win against Ashby Ivanhoe. Then you went on a three-game losing streak, thrashed 5-0 and 7-1 by Noneton and Atherston Town. Then another eight-goal thriller, 6-2 win against NKF Burbage. Was that the, the start to the season that you were expecting? Were you quite pleased with that? Were you disappointed? What was your reaction to those results? Um. To be perfectly
1: honest, I, my expectations at the start of the season, wouldn't, I didn't have any. Um, what I would say is that Paget always, whether it be this incarnation of the club or a previous incarnation, has always battled from the first minute to the last and never throw in the towel. And I accept that you're going to lose sometimes. And I also accept that sometimes a really, really good team will put six past you. But there were a couple of times... Certainly into the latter part of the first third of the season where the towel was getting thrown a bit too easy, I think, for my liking.
0: I can see a couple of questions stemming from that, really. The first one is, I don't know this is perhaps a question that's less relevant to the lower echelons, but still perhaps relevant nonetheless. At what stage, when results aren't as they perhaps should be, do you start asking questions of the manager, at least in your own mind, not necessarily actually physically questioning what he's doing but when do those question marks start sort of appearing in your mind thinking oh something something's not right here
1: oh uh, it's funny jason will t- jason lands will tell you i'm terrible i'm awful um i i question everything in my head all the time i i'm one of those people that overthinks things i'm always thinking things so you can lose a well, match one nil and i'm thinking of sacking the manager it's that quick <laughs> that's that's why that's just the truth i'll never do it i never go through with that decision but I question everything all the time. I've, I've got spreadsheet after spreadsheet on everything and every aspect of Paget, And it's all monitored and kept an eye on. And Lansy used to tell me to hide the spreadsheets from him. He doesn't want to see them because they depress him. But I have spreadsheets on everything. And yeah, I, I question a lot of things, but I tend to keep it to myself. I don't go out saying that. I keep it... Um, to myself and question things and then let's just go and try again the next week
0: well the other question that comes from that really was when your team does lose to what extent do you take that personally
1: at times quite badly <laughs> it depends of the manner of the defeat i'm realistic so if we lose to atherston town um for example who have a good budget in that league or lichfield for example who have a good budget in that league and when we lost to Walsallwood and Ilkeston in the seasons prior, I'm, I enjoy the occasion. I enjoy the day. It's nice to be playing against those teams. Um, when you lose to, and it might be me being slightly arrogant, a team I expect us to at least compete against, and maybe you haven't competed and you've been thrashed. I do take that personally because I'm so invested in it, and I don't mean from a financial term. I mean from an emotional term that, you question yourself and decide, and that yourself is a failure because of their, because of the team failing. Maybe
0: would you say that you're a perfectionist?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely 100%. Yeah.
0: And is that both a blessing and a curse?
1: It is a blessing and a curse. And I don't mean a perfectionist in the sense of we must win every game. Um, I mean in terms of I want things to be organised. I want things. I want people to try their hardest, try their best. I want people to be respectful and be polite um and to represent um the club in a positive manner and people laugh and, and joke about you know maybe certain people's behavior on the touchline and how did i tolerate that for so long but i'll also cut people some slack if they're doing a good job i'll cut them some slack because i know maybe i can't attract someone who um would win the league to be the manager, but I can attract the next best thing to that. And if they have got a flaw which stops them from going even higher and higher, is because they might berate a referee every now and then. Then I put up with it. And, you know, I defend them on their FA hearings and things like that.
2: So from that point of view, Matt, was there ever a point your tenure was involved and you had Matt Seeley in charge where you looked and gone, You've had Jason in, he's done the bits he's done. And listen, this isn't about Trying to sing Jason Lanzi's praises and not Matt Seeley's praise, but knowing that you'd worked with someone for five years and then you brought somebody in who'd played and all that kind of stuff, how quickly at that point did you look and go, mm, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be?
1: What I will, what I'll say is Matt Seely really, really wanted to do a good job. He really, really tried his best, and he had a lot of people let him down on the playing side, in my opinion, and. In other circumstances, I think he would have done really, really well. And, and they probably were going to meet the target they were set anyway, which was to stay in the league. Um, however, I can also say I did notice quickly how different everything was, it may even from an organisation point of view, maybe to what I had previously got used to, possibly, maybe been spoiled with.
2: Are you able to share on that? Because I I I've seen a couple of things from on social media over the last couple of weeks where I looked and thought maybe there's a little bit of resentment from Matt Seely in that sense. In terms of where you thought things started to change a little bit, how did that look for you?
1: Um so Matt and I always got on really, really well. And I still was talking to him up until even though I'd left I was still talking to him and encouraging him and um holding his hand I suppose in a way um until february i think he felt after i'd gone that he'd lost the life support machine maybe that he had i noticed things were different in the first pre-season training session for example that quick um, Hi. Hi
2: how do you th- how did you
1: find that um i'll use an example for because I'm, t- I'm bad at this and i don't know what other chairmen do it's just what i do it's b- it's because i'm so obsessed with it i'll turn up unannounced at training sessions um just because i want to go and watch training really and because because i know a lot of the players you do become I and mean, this is something i've learned and i won't do it again is you do become pally with them because you're the same age as them as i am and you know i think that's inevitable but um when you turn up at a so I'd turn up at um, previous season's training sessions and everything could already be set up. It'd all be planned and they'd be ready before the players turned up. Tra- this time, training location moved several times. The numbers varied drastically from very good to very bad and the sessions varied from being very well organised to being on the cuff and a bit haphazard. But each manager manages it in a different way, so I've got to give them a chance. And um, So that's what you do, you give them a chance.
2: So from that point of view, as early as July, maybe maybe August, just before the start of the season, there's already a of doubt in your mind thinking, mm, this might not be what I've been used to. Because, for, And that's not to say that for the, the previous five years under Lansy, it's been right. But all of a sudden, you're starting to see little holes and little um, spikes. So going into the beginning of the season where let's just say after the first 10, 15 games of the season, you might not have had the same amount of results you was expecting. Was you looking at the the pre-season thinking "Mm, that wasn't quite good enough and that's the reason why?
1: Uh, Yeah, you start to question everything, I think, at that stage. Um, There was a match away at Stapenhill, who was a team that I think we drew away with and beat at home the previous season and... They have no budget. And we went there and we lost four or five nil. Um, I think we had someone sent off as well for petulance. I can't remember exactly. Um, and that match in particular, I wasn't overly happy. I think straight at the final whistle, I went and sat in the car and drove home. Um, and if I don't go in for a drink afterwards, you know, it's bad.
2: Um, and from that point of view, did Matt certainly pick the phone up on the way home and go, he wasn't in the bar after What's up
1: with you? No. Or, no, 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 not at all. No, um, I think Matt adds a lot of frustrations. Um, I I don't know this for a fact. I just I think he was let down multiple times by players, either making themselves unavailable very late. I don't know if this is a, a common thing or if it's just reflects on the manager i don't know but i never had it previously um but there, there's always be struggling to fill a bench or players key players would go missing for a few games um for whatever reason and i never really understood why
0: let's move on to september uh, the first match that you played in september was in the fa vars second round which you lost 3-1 to atherton town which as the chairman do you tend to prioritise, not necessarily from a financial point of view, but maybe from a more sentimental point of view, out of finishing higher in the league or progressing in the cup competitions?
1: <laughs> it's, um, well, first I'll say that that match at Atherston in the FFRs was a really good game. We took the lead and um, we were playing really well and our goalkeeper, Brad, had a superb match that day. He was really, really good. Um, I Always the league is the bread and butter and you want to do well in the league. But cup competitions, that's where you get your little bit of excitement, especially if you're a team like us who's not going to challenge the top end of the table. Um, unfortunately for Paget, they haven't won a single cup game in over two years. Um, we've gone out of the first round in every single cup, bearing in mind there's five or six cups, both the last season and the one before that. So... Um, I've come to terms with the fact that not to get any um, hopes or expectations for cup games.
0: Well, that's certainly an interesting perspective. Then again, October was another really strange month for you. H- horrendous, to put a word on it, really. Uh, 21 goals conceded, only four scored in five matches, which saw four defeats and one victory. What do you make of that? What What's going through your mind at, at that point? Obviously, there's a lot of the season still left to go, but with, a, you say, an average September, uh, not great. August and a really poor October. The signs certainly weren't looking that positive at this point.
1: Yeah, no, i was I'm starting to worry by this stage. And the other thing that that did worry me was the number of players being used. I think Padgett used over ninety players last season, which was by far the most in the entire Midland Football League. Um, and i had been used to a relatively settled side previously. Um, so it was always, a, it became a bit of a running joke on the sideline of who's making his debut today. Um, I think I worked out that only five players played more than half of our league games. Um, so th- these are worrying things when you see, at that stage, I, I've got serious misgivings, if I'm being honest, about the whole thing. And whether, and, and and you do start going through in your head, having told you what I've already told you about the summer. Um Have I got the energy, the drive, the enthusiasm and the support to go through the whole process again of replacing a manager? And also, have I got the energy and the drive to go through the process of, because I'm the same age as them and you end up being mates, of falling out with a lot of people? Because that's what happens. You fall out with them when you're going to sack a manager, I'm afraid. That seems to be what happens. They fall out with you because you've done something horrible to them. Um, and all the players leave and then you start thinking well is it more of a risk to change and have no players and start all over again or is it less of a risk just to stick with what you've got and i think i just thought i haven't got the energy to be bothered to change anything um let's just ride it out a bit longer and see how it goes
0: well the advice certainly sounds like don't work with friends essentially um no, the thing is they weren't
1: friends before. They've All all these people have become friends because of football and through football. I think the relationship maybe a manager has with a chairman who's 60 or 70 is very different to the relationship the manager has and the players have with a chairman who's 30. Um, you know, I'm the same age as all these people, and I think something I've learned from it is not to fall into that trap. If I was going back now and doing it again, I'd probably be quite a different person and that might not be a good thing from people who deal with these perspectives but I think I'd be harder and I'd be more distant and keep that distance rather than as Russ would have seen I'll sit in the bar afterwards with all the players and have a drink maybe I wouldn't do that and think you know maybe I wouldn't go on the team nights out and things
0: it's like a, a almost a strange way to come across because you almost want to have a good relationship with the players, but from what you're saying, you don't want too good a relationship. So, how, if you were to do it again, perhaps, how would you try and strike that balance?
1: I, it's a really good question. I think it, it's about earning that respect and then maintaining that respect, and people maybe understanding. I think under Jason, it was a lot. It was done quite well. I think um, when Matt was the manager, I think a lot of the players, because they were new. Um, to Padgett and were new to the area. They weren't even North Birmingham-based players. I think a lot of them probably just saw it as a bit of a social thing. I mean, I can remember players calling me dainty um, last season, which I do get called, but I don't want to be called chairman, but I'd at least like to be called Matt. And I think maybe me not correcting them on that early and allowing banter to creep in probably wasn't the best decision at the time maybe I needed to with this it was a younger group of players maybe with this younger group of players I needed to be a bit more of a authority figure than I probably was.
2: How did that feel from that point of view Matt in the terms of you'd had you know four or five years with Jason and then he'd moved on you the new group of players coming in and they probably weren't being the same with you as the previous regime had been at. How did that feel for you as a chairman?
1: Uh, It made me quite sad, to be honest. I I felt like I was wasting my time um, with quite a few things um, because it would be things like, I don't know, throwing kit on the floor and walking in it and throwing water bottles and kicking water bottles and breaking them and losing footballs and... Oh, don't worry, because Matt will just get some more. It was, and then in the bar afterwards, just dainty this, dainty that, and I think maybe I should have said Angon, or so I probably pulled the manager to a side and say Ang, because Matt Seely had was respectful all the time, but I think maybe when he wasn't there, I don't think necessarily some of his players were.
0: And on that point, do you? Did you ever have a good relationship with any of the club captains? Because often the captains are the, the go-betweens between the players and the manager, but also to an extent, and certainly I would imagine with, with lower league clubs, with the chairman as well. So did you ever have that respect from any of the captains? And if so, or if not, was that then perhaps influential over the rest of the team?
1: Um, oh, 100% that's very, very true. So Craig Evans was the was Lansley's captain. Um. And I I definitely had his respect. He had my respect. And we got on really, really well. And that was definitely there. Um, When Seeley took over as manager, he made Dean Crowley captain there. Crowley had played for us under Lanzi. And I've got a lot of time for him. And we have great respect for each other. But Dean Crowley decided to leave for his own reasons early to midway through the season. And then after that, I think we had several different captains maybe, and I, when they were even signed for the club, I don't think I was even necessarily introduced to them. Um, so they wouldn't know me from Adam, um, so there wouldn't be necessarily the respect there then. I think there was an attitude change of... Um, People who'd been there a long time all knew what the club was about, the restrictions on the club and we're in this together sort of thing to maybe people who've had several clubs before or been at other clubs and it's just a match, it's just a game of football, it's not that important. If I I don't get played here, I'll just go and play for someone else.
0: So you obviously feel like the role of club captain is crucial to the success of the team both on and off the pitch.
1: Oh, massively, yeah. I think the captain's really... the captain. I think the captain's as, as important as the manager because the captain is the representation of the football club on the pitch. You know, I, I want the captain to respect the referee always and respect the match officials and be polite to the opposition and be proud of the club that they're captain for and that they're representing. And I think in Dean Crowley and Craig Evans, that was definitely the case, yeah. Um, Whether that was the case as that role changed multiple times during last season, I probably don't think so.
0: Did you ever try and influence, even subtly try and influence, the manager's choice of captain? Because I'm assuming that you you could see from the players who would be good captain material. So did you ever try and suggest, or were you very much a chairman that would let the manager make the decisions and he was therefore responsible for those decisions you're responsible for the more off the pitch stuff
1: 100 uh, percent. always let the manager make the decision never get never give an opinion never influence um never try and persuade them to do something because at the end of the day and even though i didn't do this if you want to give, if you want to sack someone later down the line, you've got to let them hang themselves so you can sack them. So if they can turn around to you and go, well, you did this and you interfered and you made me make this footballing decision, then you might as well make yourself the manager. You're making a rod for your own back. So we, and the same with all the, so I've had four managers while I was a Padgett chairman and none of them did I ever try and influence with team selection or anything like that.
0: So you must obviously look at, Particularly clubs in the Premier League uh, that have these billionaire owners that decide that they're gonna sort of micromanage the club. You must watch those through gritted teeth. Yeah, I
1: just think if you want to do that, make yourself the ma- make yourself the manager. I mean, I'm not being funny, and you'll you'll laugh. Like if if I had a, a team of uh, coaches around me. And someone to do a team talk who can be inspirational in a team talk. I could be the manager of paget because I've got loads of uh, footballers' phone numbers in my phone, and then that's all it relies on. As long as you've got other people to do the bits I can't do, I could have made myself the manager. And that's something you learn as you go on. It's you, you actually you build up so many contacts while you're doing it. Yeah, I'll be the one who signs all the players, and then I'll get a head coach instead to. Uh, do it like West Brom do, where they have a head coach, but it's the, the board who sign all the players. You can do that that model, you can do it, and it does work, but I'm not, not interested in that. I just wanted a manager to sign the players, get on with it, play football and win
0: matches. So, Am I right in saying that, uh, that James Park has also installed himself as the new manager at Padgett Racing? Yes, right? he has. Yeah. So what do you make of that?
1: I think that will be interesting. He's managed one of the Birmingham St George's Um, teams and he is a qualified um, UEFA coach I believe. Um, I think um, it will be a big learning experience for him um, with adult football depending on what sort of players they bring through. If they're bringing through mainly youth players I think he'll find it fine from that perspective although it's a very different thing than when you're trying to sign players maybe that you don't know or more experienced players from elsewhere. But it does mean that if he doesn't do a good job at it, he will have to sack himself. So that would be quite funny.
0: (laughs) Certainly make for a good headline. So move on then to November, your final month at the helm at Padgett Rangers. Again, not not the best of months. You started off the month with a 5-2 win at Stafford Town, followed by two defeats. Was it really at this point that in your own mind you were cementing that decision to leave?
1: Yeah. I think so. I think so. We play. You'll have the dates probably in front of you. So this, we played Chelmsley Tan at home sometime. Let's test that... you. Can
0: you can you guess the date? <laughs> uh,
1: the last week of November, maybe.
0: Oh, very good actually. Twenty third November, just about in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we played them twenty third of November. Um, and then we played Staple at home, which was a draw, which might be the seventh of December.
0: Very, very good indeed. Actually, I'll give you a point for that one.
1: Yeah. So those two games, that was they—they they were the nails in the, the nails in the coffin. So we played Chelmsley Town and we lost. Um, now Chelmsley is a club I've got a lot of time for. I know everyone there. I get on really well with everyone there, um, and I go and watch them when Paget aren't playing and. We played them, but there's that rivalry there because it's a local team. So we always like to beat them. They like to beat us. But we always do it in a respectful manner. Um, So they won that match. So I'm a bit upset because we've lost to the enemy, so to speak. Um, And we're in in the bar afterwards. Everyone's in the bar afterwards, uh, both teams. And the Chelmsley team, uh, the management, the players, the chairman, the committee, um, are getting up to leave. And a lot of the players, I don't even know, I, I haven't personally met them. Every single person from Chelmsley Town shook my hand, um, wished me all the best, and thanked me for the hospitality on the day and left. And then within the next half an hour, all of the Paget people got up to leave and not a single one of them even said goodbye and that was the moment at that match against Chelsea Town, where I realised I am wasting my time.
0: And again, did you take that personally to think that I've been at this club for nine years, and I've now made the decision to leave, and this is the state that I'm leaving the club in?
1: Yeah. So that was what made that. So that um, that match was when I uh, I I was I never felt so depressed. I don't think after that match. Um so then I was thinking, why am I doing this? I'm wasting my time. And I could have I could and maybe, I don't know, hindsight's one of the things. Maybe should have just sacked every single person there and then. But for whatever reason I didn't. Um and then it was I went to a Russell midweek game that week, just because Russell's my local team, so where I live, I can walk there. And nick allen who i know, have known my most of my life um, asked me oh, how's padgett how's it going you, you look a bit down in the dumps and i sort of unloaded on him how i was feeling and he says yeah it can get us all down and that was the end of that conversation i didn't think it was going to go any further or lead to anything and then about two days later john um, the chairman at russell phoned me and offered me a role there um, and I said to him, I need to think about it. And, you know, I, I'm not sure, I, you know, Paget's my team. I've, I've, I've always been there. And uh, he laughed and joked and said, to be fair, Nick said you'd never leave. But if I didn't ask, I didn't get. And I says, well, I'll, I'll sleep on it. But, you know, I'm really not sure. I don't think I could ever leave Paget. Um, and then I drove home from work. And when I pulled on the drive at home, half an hour later, I phoned John back and said, yes, I accept the position.
0: Well, that saves me asking the next question then about how, how the, the role came around. So you were approached by uh, by John uh, at Russell Olympic, John Allen, the chairman. Um, do you ever look at what John Allen does at Russell Olympic and think either, I wish I had done that or I might do something differently? I know that John Allen's a massive figure with Russell Olympic. Um, so perhaps there's probably less scope for you to maybe change what he would do. But certainly you look at him and think, uh, if I'd have done that, maybe things uh, paget might have worked out differently.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got the—I've got utmost respect for John and the whole Allen family and and what they've done there is fantastic. And I've—I've I've known them a long time, and I—I I admire what they do. Um, the things I could—I wish I'd learnt from John maybe are, um, yeah, you can have good times, but when the bad times come around, stick with your instinct and stick with your gun, and don't. Hold it in and don't, um, you know, be, don't be afraid to ruffle a few feathers sometimes. It might upset a few people, but in the long run, you're doing what you think's right. And usually your gut instinct is correct. And John's never one for shying away from saying it as it is. And I think um, that's probably what I should have done.
0: And was it quite um, almost an epiphany when you arrived at Russell to see a club, I'm, a, I'm assuming, run you know, fantastically differently to how you were running things at Padgett, and that's not necessarily saying that it was better or worse, just differently. Um, uh, was, the, it, was it a shock to the system?
1: I knew Russell so well that I sort of knew what it was like, but it was nice to be on the inside of it rather than, say, be a spectator watching. But what was nice to see is a big team of volunteers who all had very defined, very specific roles and they all carried their role out uh, expertly and to see John be able to be what he is which is a chairman so meeting and greeting people on the gate shaking hands buying you know people a drink and then when the match starts standing at the side of the pitch and shouting and cheering on the team and seeing that that's what I wanted to be at Padgett and I wanted that team but unfortunately I was we never for whatever reason got into the position where we did have seasons where the committee and the volunteers grew and we had some really really good volunteers but I I also think because of my age maybe that I attracted younger volunteers and by attracting younger volunteers there's a lot of other stuff going on in their lives where they want to go and do things so we had two uh, lads jay and josh who did all our media stuff and photos and match reports and the social media and they were brilliant both of them really really good but when uni comes calling or when work comes calling that's more important than they're right it is more important so you lose them and when i lost those people they were never replaced and it's it gets loaded on the one person who's so keen and enthusiastic and wanting to do it well that you end up doing everything yourself
0: well, something and... I'm curious about is when John came calling with Russell, could it have, in reality, been anyone that called you and you'd have accepted the job? Or would it was it something specific about Russell Olympic that made you think, yeah, this is the club that I will be prepared to leave Padgett for?
1: I, th- I think with Russell, it was we had a pre-existing knowledge of each other. Um, I'd followed Russell on and off previously, um, as well as Paget, So not to the level I'd followed Paget, but still on and off. And the fact that I could walk to it from my house. And one thing that was really important for me was with Russell, I knew that I would never be asked to, oh, Matt, we've got this bill that needs paying. Can you pay it? Or Matt, can you do this? Matt, can you do that? I knew that I'd have a defined role and I'd be able to turn up, do that job and then go home and it wouldn't cost me a fortune. And knowing that I was going somewhere that was financially secure was really, really important because, as I've joked to people before, um, I made that decision when Chelmsley Town, home game against Padgett, that the bank of Matt was permanently closed, regardless of what happened.
0: And that obviously makes you enjoy football as a sport a whole lot more, I imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, I love being able to watch matches and no no offence to Russell, I'm not overly bothered if they win or lose. Obviously, I'd like them to win. But if they lose, uh, well, it's a shame we lost. I'm not going to go home and sulk. Whereas Paget lose, I'm having three sleepless nights. I'm writing loads of stuff down. I'm wondering why it's gone wrong. I'm wondering what I can do better. I'm wondering, do I need to sack the manager? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Whereas with Russell, that's someone else's problem.
0: Speaking again about Russell, I, I, I imagine you haven't, invested yourself as you said that much in the club itself uh, but how much do you know about the the family vibe as a club because obviously you're coming from a club like Padgett as we spoke of, not just on a metaphorical level but on a lit- literal level for you it was a family club so coming to Russell my understanding is that it's certainly a, a bigger organization in terms of the, the business side of things and in terms of the football side of things as well so yeah Naturally, as you get higher up the, the football pyramid, it becomes less of that family club and more of that commercial side of things. So can you see the difference between Paget and Russell in that respect?
1: I can do, but what Rush, Russell worked really, really hard in engaging with the community and making sure that everyone feels involved. I love the fact that John Allen stands on the turnstile selling uh, raffle tickets and shakes every single supporter's hand when they come through the turnstile um so everyone is immediately made to feel welcome steve hinks does a com- um, community coaching on a friday evening and it's i think it's a pound or two pounds and anyone can turn up and they'll have 100 150 kids just running around the pitch going wild and it's really really good it gets people involved and the Russell show there that it really is a family club a community club and john and nick are involved and entrenched in every single aspect of that football club um, and it's really positive to see and what they're building there um, bodes really really positively and well for the future
0: and by extension therefore do you think that the club is perhaps well prepared to deal with the aftermath of what whatever may come from the coronavirus pandemic obviously financial ruin hitting every single club and every single person in the country in the world but do you think that the way that russell olympic has been run by john allen and his team that they are going to be in a position that they can get through this crisis and certainly thrive going into into next season and beyond
1: i think so i think it will be harder and i think it'll be harder for every single non-league club in in the whole country um and but i think russell are much better placed than some to deal with the fallout from this i think um the club has been run so well for 20 plus years um that russell will survive this pandemic and will continue to succeed and do well in the future it might scupper overly ambitious plans possibly that some people may have dreamed of maybe one day um, for a couple of years but Russell will always achieve what they want to achieve eventually and I think in the hands of John Allen in particular that club has got such a strong and uh, steady captain leading that ship that the the ship of Russell will always be heading in the right direction.
0: Well we are going to come back to Padgett to to round off this episode Firstly, can you ever see yourself returning to Padgett Rangers in any capacity?
1: Uh, yes Yes, I could
0: Which capacity? As chairman or maybe something else? Manager? Um, player?
1: Not not player um, I don't think I could be a player because I'm rather too fat and, I, and I'm getting too old now unfortunately um, and I don't think I'd be anything involved with the playing side Um could I get back involved? Possibly, yes, one day. Who knows whether that be as chairman again, maybe. But I'd have to have the right people around me. Um, whether that be as, I don't know, club secretary eventually, maybe one day, possibly. But what I would want, I wouldn't want to do that job now, immediately. I want at least the new people to at least have twelve months to learn and understand how it works and to. Show to me, I suppose, that they can take Padgett on. And if Padgett's going forward and progressing well and is heading in the right direction, and for whatever reason, Rush will decide that they no longer require me, then yes, then I could be tempted to go back. But I'm looking forward to being going to Padgett games when Rush will aren't playing as a spectator. That's what I'm
0: looking forward to. And when you get back at, on your time at Padgett, what what do you think? Do you because obviously it ended the way it did, and it's regrettable and all the rest of it. But you also had a lot of fantastic moments during your tenure. You know, winning the double, uh, promotion as champions. So when you look back, do you only remember the positives quite romantically, or do you almost have those memories tainted by how it ended as well?
1: Yeah. So in the time we were there, Paget went up three times we had three promotions and two cup wins so we had some really really good times i think maybe it's just my nature i beat myself up over the bad times that i almost then forget the good times whereas i should try and reflect on the good times more um and because as you said before about maybe being a bit of a perfectionist i always think i could have done something better um but i'm sure or I'd like to think that people maybe at other clubs would say that I did an OK job. Um, and hopefully that's the legacy that I leave is that Paget has been re-established at that level and um, will remain at least as a minimum at that level for a good number of years to come.
0: So we're not going to see a statue of Matt Dainty outside Paget Rangers anytime soon?
1: I doubt it, No. <laughs>
0: Because Wigan, um, their chairman Dave Whelan, I'm sure he must have put it there himself. There's a statue of him outside the DW Stadium holding the FA Cup trophy. So that is something I would love. love there to you go. He's even named the
1: stadium after himself. well yeah, as exactly.
0: Well. The, the MD Stadium, perhaps.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I like that. When when Paget are in the Premier League, then
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds good. We to can see. all dream. Uh, so, how would you like to be remembered during your, from your time at Paget?
1: I don't know how I'd like to be remembered. I'll be remembered as the nutter who, despite being told by every single person not to do it, ignored them all and brought back a football club that had been bussed for eight years. Um, And I remember a former Padgett Rangers committee person um, on the day that I announced publicly that Padgett was being reformed, emailed me and said to me, why would you bring something back? that was quite happily and better off dead. And I'd like to think that I proved that person wrong.
0: Well, the fact that they're still going strong in 2020, I think is a, is a testament to the work that you did put in. i just going to end with some final quick fire questions then. So first of all, who's the, your favourite player from your time at Padgett?
1: Mark Bellingham. To get Mark Bellingham to play for Padgett Rangers, because um, was, I don't know how we did, it, but we did. Um, and, and to get him paying subs to play for Padgett Rangers was even better uh, <laughs> when everyone told me that you must be paying him to play for you. And I went, no, he pays me. Um, get, Mark, obviously, is probably the the utmost legend of Birmingham-based non-league football and has scored 700-odd goals um, in his football career. And um, he's now got a rather famous son playing for Birmingham City. But yeah. um, Jude used to meg me as a 13-year-old at in the warm-up but there you go um yeah so mark is my favorite player he scored some really good goals him and danny carter had a great partnership together up front and there was one particular season where there, it was a season we did the double and we had Russ Dempster, danny carter and mark bellingham playing as a front three and i knew when that team set up and was going out that they would all at least score one goal each so if you were going to beat us you had to score four goals and so that was a very nice time to uh, be chairman of Padgett.
0: So and Jude Bellingham signs for Manchester United in that £30 million deal, you can say he nutted me when he was 13 years old.
1: Yeah, I can also say that uh, Mark owes me £30 because we got fined for Jude Bellingham being sat in the dugout at Droitwich Spa away because apparently you're not allowed a child in the dugout and the club got fined £30. So um, <laughs> I look me. forward to receiving that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure i put that into the clause somewhere of his new contract. Okay, yeah. So we talking about your favourite player. What, what about your favourite manager? Obviously, somebody that you've had more of a hand in dealing with on a personal level.
1: Oh, Jason Lams, easily, definitely my favourite. You know what he achieved and the time we were there. The best times we had were under his uh, management, and yeah, they were really, really good times. And yeah, he'd be—he was the, the easiest to deal with as well. So he'd definitely be my favourite.
0: And penultimate question. Who is your favourite staff member at Paget, out of your mum and your uncle? I, I
1: can't answer that question. <laughs> because that's unfair. But what I will say is my favourite staff member, obviously, is Tannoy Tom.
0: Of course, yeah. Member of the Switch team too on, a, on occasion. Fantastic commentaries from Tanoy Tom.
1: Where, w- where would we be without Tanoy Tom? Well, and, you know, t- getting all the subs wrong and I have to shout at you. That's great.
0: <laughs> Final question, Matt. Sum up your time at Paget Ranges in three words, please.
1: Uh, mental. Um, exciting and expensive
0: (laughs) certainly a unique trio of of adjectives that I've not heard before when asking that question Um, Matt Dainty as always, an absolute pleasure thanks for coming on the show today
1: thank you very much, I've enjoyed it
0: Switch Radio Sport This this is Switch